Let's make today the day you get one step closer to becoming the parent you've always wanted to be and the parent your children deserve. Welcome to Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. I am your host, Erin Taylor, and I have wanted to help parents and children literally since I was 11 years old. I created this podcast to help you make a stronger, healthier, deeper connection to your child, to understand the inevitable challenges a little better, and learn some new ways to navigate them when they occur. Thank you for spending some time with me. Now let's get this show started. Hello and welcome back to the show. This is episode 545 and today I'm excited to chat with my good friend Adrian Bishop. Hi Adrian. Hi Erin, how's it going? I'm pretty good. We're both a little chilly here in the northeast mid-Atlantic area. Mm -hmm. A windy crazy (laughs) day out. Uh, so the reason we decided to have to, to record this episode is because you had emailed me based on something else. I was talking about a, a book called Indistractable, which is a really good book. And I have interviewed the author a couple of times near Ayal. Uh, but you were asking about social media use with kids And he doesn't necessarily get deeply into that particular topic. So I thought it would be fun to get together and talk about it today. Yeah, I'm excited because my kids are still kind of not quite there where they're not dealing with the social media as teenagers yet. My kids are 10, 6, and 3. So I'm mostly dealing with screen time. So that more video games and TV and kind of managing the pandemic with all of that. So it felt like as soon as I heard your interview with Nir, I started talking to my, my husband about it. And he said, well, that's all fine and good. But what about when it comes to social media? How is that playing into society in general? And like the, the whole culture around going on social media, having connections there, having some sort of, I guess you want to call it like rules around friendships and their, you know, the way that they're connecting with their friends in, in um, middle school and high school that has changed sort of you know, how all of that works. And it's just interesting to think about because when I was in middle school, if you did something silly or stupid, it just like the next hour, everybody forgot about it. Or like the next day, nobody talked about it again, but now it's like all videotaped and on social media or, you know, there's more, it just continues longer and longer. So that kind of, I don't know, there's repercussions for that. And I just was very curious about what Um, because I know you have older kids, like what is it that really helps when it comes to that, that sort of culture that has been coming, that has risen with social media when it comes to teenagers and middle schoolers? Well, when my oldest son, our oldest son is 18 and I would say, you know, this isn't exactly accurate, but I would say it kind of felt like he was coming of age, so to speak, he was coming into social media kind of as social media was gaining in popularity. And so I I feel like he kind of came into it at the time when it was kind of starting, even though it had started before he was old enough, uh, the crush of social media, the overwhelming tsunami that like crushes our kids when they hit that, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14 stage Mm-hmm. He wasn't being crushed by it. He was part of that tide that we're experiencing now. And so um, we tried to hold off as long as we could with him. But we eventually allowed him to get an Instagram account when because that was the big thing back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we the reason we ultimately decided to let him have it is because he started saying, we we started seeing how it was um, affecting him negatively socially in school. 
So he would go into school and I, it was either sixth or seventh grade. I can't remember what grade it was, but he started saying numerous times over a couple of months, mom, mm-hmm. I go to school and everybody will, is talking about, cause like they gather, he's a, he was a walker. My kids are walkers for middle school. So they would gather outside uh, in the grass before the doors would open and then they would get to go in. So mm-hmm. they would have a few minutes to chit chat before walking into the school building. And he would say, everybody's talking about, oh, did you see what so-and-so posted? And did you see that picture? And you see where they went, what they did? And I can't even participate in the conversation because I don't have an account, an Instagram account. I don't even know what they're talking about. So that was ultimately what uh, motivated us, spurred us to give him an account. Mm -hmm. But that account came along with lots and lots of conversations and boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that my husband came up with is the three E's of having a phone or social media technology, whatever. E stands for evidence, eternal and electronic. Okay. So we reinforced to all of our kids before we gave them before we gave them a phone before we allowed them on social media you know texting all of that stuff that you know the, just that general concept whatever you put in writing and send out even if it's on something like snapchat that so called disappears you can't you can't feel comfortable that it's actually going to disappear someone can take a screenshot of something you write or post yeah and Yes, Snapchat is set up that if if you send something and someone screenshots it, you as the sender get a notification that they screenshotted you. So you do know that, but there's one easy step beyond that. So say your friend that you send it to has an iPhone and an iPad. So they open the snap on the iPhone and they screenshot it on the iPad and you never know they did it. Mm. So... You know, we had that conversation just because you think it's disappearing. There's no guarantee that it's disappearing. And whatever you type or even post a a meme or an image or words, you have to think before you hit send, you have to train yourself to think. Would I be okay? Would I be comfortable if my mom saw this, if my grandmother saw this, if my priest at church saw it, if you go to church, uh, if my teacher saw it, if my principal saw it, would I be comfortable? And if you can say yes to all those important people in your life, whoever those people are, Mm -hmm. if you can say yes, I would be comfortable, then you can probably feel pretty safe feeling like that's pretty comfortable that whatever you're about to send is okay. Mm -hmm. But if any of those people, you think of any of those people seeing what you're getting ready to send and you kind of cringe like, Oh, I wouldn't want my grandmother to read that. Or I wouldn't want my teacher to see that. If you're cringing over that, you probably shouldn't be sending it. It's just not right. Mm -hmm. So that was, yeah. So that's a very, strong thing that we try to hammer home to each of them. And then also when we gave them, when we first gave them a phone and when we first gave them social media, we said, you know, we are your parents. And so this goes to boundaries, right? We are your parents. We own the phone. We're going to have your passwords and your logins to anything you do. And so, and and we did that even with apps on the phone because, you know, young kids want to just constantly get new games on the Mm -hmm. phone or iPad or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so we set that, that setting where you have to, they have to get approval by the guardian of the account. So we did that. But then once they got um, an iPhone where they could text or social media. We had all the passwords and the logins. If they ever changed them, they needed to let us know immediately. And with my older son, and we did it with my daughter, although she just didn't need quite as much uh, monitoring and, and discussing because she kind of, you know, she, she instinctively knew 
what was appropriate to post and you know each kid is different so we we didn't need to uh guide her as much because she was kind of self-directing pretty well but our boys needed a little more guidance and so with but before you before they have access to a phone or social media you don't know so i think it's best to err on the side of kind of assuming that they're going to make mistakes because all kids will Assume that they're going to make more and assume that you're going to need to guide them. Mm -hmm. And then if their behavior shows otherwise, you can always peel that back. Mm -hmm. But you have to be prepared to expect that they're going to need more of your guidance. But I would say that in the spirit of not, you know, I'm going to be a private investigator and I'm going to catch you doing bad things. Not with that kind of spirit or energy, but more about, okay, this is a new chapter of growing up. This is something you've never done before. So you're, as my child, you're going to need my guidance. So I need to be prepared to have the time and the attention and set the boundaries to let you know what the expectations are and what my level of involvement is going to be. Mm -hmm. And so with our boys, well, with all of them, uh, when my older son first got his, let's use him as an example. Mm-hmm. I checked his phone. He got a phone before social media. I checked his phone every night before I went to bed. I would look at every text message. I would check Safari and see what, if he looked at any websites, I would see if there were any, if somehow he had any new apps added onto the phone. You know, I would just check the basic things. Those were about it back then. Uh, of places that needed to be checked, but I would check all of those. I would check phone calls and I discovered very quickly when he got his phone that, uh, you know, whenever you buy a phone, get a phone number, someone else probably already owned that phone number. All of, all three of my kids would get phone calls about like, um, you know, people trying to collect on their loan or their car or something like that. And I would just say, you know what, if it's a number you don't recognize, assume it's calling for the other person who owned the phone, don't answer it, block it, what have you. Uh, so that was a, a thing as well. But I checked it every night, me or my husband would check it every night. And if we saw anything that was, you know, especially boys, I think like to, feel emboldened and use curse words when they're hitting Mm. those uh, pubescent stages. (laughs) And so we had to have many conversations about using inappropriate language on a text message. Would you be comfortable if your grandmother were to read this text message? If you, if you say no to that, you should not have sent it. And uh, you know, so we had to have a couple of those conversations, but basically when we first gave it, gave the phone and then social media, the agreement was that we will have your password, your login. We will check your phone every day. And then as you show that you are making better choices and being mm-hmm. more responsible, then we'll drop back every couple of days, once a week, every two weeks. We'll mm-hmm. just keep, keep giving you more and more freedom. But if at any point, we have a reason to feel that that's not enough, then we're going to go right back to every day. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple of times that we had to do that because they said a curse word or whatever. Were you doing that when your kids were younger too? Like, were you monitoring what they watched on the screen or what video games? Like, I mean, obviously you knew what video games they played, but like monitoring other things, you know, before they got the phone. So were they kind of used to that as like a part of the process or was that, sort of a new thing when they got phones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when they were little, well, when the oldest one was little, YouTube wasn't that popular. And I don't think there was so much that was appealing to kids back then. That's our biggest issue is YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube is a huge issue because you know, they Mm -hmm. can easily keep clicking and go into the rabbit hole. And before you know it, you don't even know where the heck they are or how they got there. It was funny because yesterday my (laughs) my six-year-old says to me, Mom, I think I found something inappropriate on YouTube. Oh, and your heart goes boom. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't a big deal. He's like, it's like they're almost. I don't know if it's the new the new 
younger kids, because they're, they've been growing up with it, they kind of have mm-hmm. the verbiage to talk about it. That's and so beautiful. I think he's heard, I don't know, from his teachers, from me, I mean, from somebody, you know, like this, like he's, his radar is kind of on, you know, high alert a little bit more. That's awesome. I know it's really great. So I think that, I think like in general, kids are aware of the dangers. And so even though they might not be like great at monitoring themselves, they kind of have a little more just like a sense of what isn't supposed to be, you know, what's, what's right and what's wrong. If they go see something that's, and this wasn't even, I can't remember what it was, but it was just um, not like, it was like not a kid video, but it wasn't inappropriate as in, right. you know, there was some content that was bad. It was just not really meant. He goes, it wasn't meant for kids, mom. And I, you know, I really wow. said, oh, okay, well, thank you for telling me. And I appreciate that, you know, but it's just one of those things where I think, I think that when we do talk about it to them, it's going in and then yes. it's coming from all different places too. It's probably coming mm-hmm. from school and their friends and like other yes. places. So that's, I mean, that was very encouraging. So I'm hoping that the culture with social media, since, you know, you were saying your son was one of the first to kind of, you know, he was in the beginning wave of it. I'm hoping that now people are, kids are going to be just more aware and it's not going to be as big a deal essentially. Right. So like the social media isn't so, I guess, new and novel and um, exciting that everybody kind of maybe has some sense of what's right and what's wrong around it and a little more education out there about it. So I'm hoping that that benefits, you know, my kids and me (laughs) as the mom. Well, it's really great to hear how, uh, (laughs) how, savvy your six-year-old digital native is already. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, they've been, actually, I think my six-year-old is probably like, I don't think iPads were as big when he was born. He was 2013 and my oldest was 2010. So iPads were like coming around that time. Mm -hmm. So, but my three-year-old, he's had iPads since he was born. So it's like a very interesting process to watch the difference. He is so, and now that they're on Zoom all day, right? They're all so proficient at all of these, you know, technologies, and it's kind of, it's kind of good in a way. They're they're learning so much, and so, but it's very different for each kid. They've had a different amount of mm-hmm. this culture in their lives. From you know, from Ella, probably my oldest was probably, I don't know how old she was when she got an iPad six or seven, and then you know, my six year old was probably four, and then my three year old now has one at, he had one at two. And so it's just, ugh, it's just nuts. And so it's all different levels of needing to monitor. And um, I've kind of taken the approach of being a little bit more like I just kind of sit with them and watch. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily go back and look through their history. I just kind of glance over the shoulder. I kind of make sure that like they know what's appropriate and we've talked about it, but I'm not going through specifically every single day. I'm just watching what's happening in the moment, talking to them about what they've watched. We like to do this talk about what you watch kind of thing. I love it. Because, um, because then it actually helps them to learn mm-hmm. a little bit. It's almost like a comprehension tool. And so my husband is always big on this. Like when we watch TV shows together, he wants them to kind of remember and kind of talk about what they saw and recall it as, as a, makes it more of a learning tool than just a passive tool makes it more active. And so, yeah, so it's really helped a lot for it to not just be this, you know, zone out kind of sit there and do nothing time. Um, And so we use it that way. That's why like the, like movie nights is is one of those traditional things that people do. And the reason it's so great is because you can talk about it as a family and you can talk about the story and talk about what happened and what the kid, what the, you know, the characters felt and, what, you know, what they did wrong, what were their mistakes? How would you do it differently? And so it becomes, it becomes a conversation piece. And so, you know, with the social media, it's going to be one of those things where I'm hoping maybe we can still kind of talk about what happened on social media and like, not that I'm going to be in on it, but at least get some sense of like, what's going on with it? How are they using it? What's the, what's the goal? And I think that's sort of where a lot of the parents that I coach, they talk about like, screen time being the worst thing ever, right? It's they're mm-hmm. vilifying it. They're making so it much like, fear, right? Lots of fear, lots of like, well, my kid gets off it. My husband does this actually. My kid gets off the screen and they're terrors, you know, they're mean and they throw things and it's just vilif- It's blaming the screens mm-hmm. specifically for that reaction or that behavior. And that's what one of the things that Nir mentioned was he was talking about how that's not necessarily true, right? We've always had a technology that we blame things on. We blame yeah. behavior on 
from like bicycles to, you know, cars and everything. So I did like that perspective. Um, but there is a sense of this cortisol dopamine hits that you're getting throughout being on the screen that when the screen goes away, you're stripping them of that dopamine. And so that can cause a more intense emotion, right? Because it's almost like, it's like not a drug, but it's, it's mimics that. And it, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And then that feel good emotion or that feel good hormone is just ripped away. And so that is going to create, and then all you have left is cortisol. So then in that sense, it's just going to be, okay, now you're just going to act out. So in that sense, it could be sort of a problem, you know, just because there is some brain, you know, chemistry happening that's, (laughs) that they've researched is real, but yeah. So then the other, the other issue is like the actual, um, you know, parents being on their phone. And I've been noticing that, like, that is a huge impact for my kids. And so I didn't know how you were dealing with that. But for like, one of the things that, um, that I can do when my kids always say like, mom, you know, pay attention to me, get off the phone. And like, it's a big wake up call. I've been trying to monitor that, make sure that I'm not doing it so much, but I also need the phone. Like I need my phone to do like regular managing the, my life stuff. So even just the calendar, right? Yeah. Just that's why like I'll be looking at my yeah, calendar just, or checking, mm-hmm. checking, like if there's an email for a cancellation of a game, you know, it's yes. like, I'm not just scrolling. And so one of the things we've been doing is narrating what I, what I'm doing, even for my husband, because I don't want him to think I'm narrating. I'm, I'm ignoring him. So I'll just go on my phone. And I'll be like, I'm just checking to see what the weather's going to be today. And I'll just that's really make good. sure I talk about it. Yeah. That's been one of the main things that has helped our family in general. Cause like I, my kids now tell me why they're going on their iPads. Ella will say like, Oh, I just need to, to message my friend about something um, at school. And so I'll, I'll watch and that's what she's doing. And so we kind of are just, instead of sneaking around or not being open about it, that's been one of the main goals of that process is when I narrate, it's just kind of like, listen, this is not a sneaky situation. We're not trying to hide. We're not trying to like go run and watch a show secretly, you know? Um, and so I think, so it probably would translate to the idea of social media when you're scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and just kind of like numbing out, kind of understanding like how that plays into your, this is one of the biggest questions I have is how that helps you avoid or keeps you away from life, right? So the more scrolling you're doing, the less interaction you have with people mm-hmm. um, one-on-one, face-to-face, face-to-face. Mm-hmm. There's definitely connection happening, but the actual, you know, he did, I think Nir did say the problem is when it's, it's substituting for something in your mm-hmm. life that you could be doing instead of being on social media. So how did you deal with that situation, that kind of idea where like the kids are all in their phones and they're not paying attention to each other? <laughs> well, before I answer that question, which is a great question, I want to highlight some of the things that you said that you guys are doing in your home, because I think it's they're such great ideas and they're so valuable to people who are listening. Number one, it sounds like you have really healthy boundaries around screens. Mm -hmm. I love the way you're bringing mindfulness to the usage of screens by saying, Oh, I'm just going to check the weather. I'm just going to send my friend a message. You're, you're verbalizing that. So you're role modeling a beautiful thing to the kids. Oh, mom's not just mindlessly scrolling on some, app somewhere. She's actually using it to get information so that we can plan our day or what have you. Exactly. So I think that's really good. And it sounds like your, your family is just kind of has a spirit of talking. I love the idea of uh, processing the movies because it is a good brain skill, a thinking Mm -hmm. skill to think more deeply about something you're seeing but doing that with movies translates so well into playing a video game or getting on social media or watching YouTube because then you can talk about what it is you're seeing, process it. But then the other thing that you can add to that is how do you feel afterwards? Like you yes. were talking about um, sometimes kids get, parents might vilify social media or screens or whatever. When my kid gets off the screen, they're a holy terror okay, well, maybe that's happening. I don't disagree with that because sometimes kids do act out. But then it's important to then go have the conversation once things are calmer, not in the heat of the Mm -hmm. moment, but to go back and say, I noticed when you got off your 
iPad, screen, phone, video, whatever, that you were really grouchy and you weren't saying nice things to me or you weren't being kind to your sibling. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? So rather than like, I'm going to take that screen away forever. You're such a terror when you get off of it. You know, the things that we might do as parents, I think approaching it from a curiosity standpoint. And Definitely. just kind of bringing the child's attention to yes. what, how they're acting and then say, wait, stop for a second. How are you feeling yeah. when, you're, when you're giving back talk to me or you're fighting with your sister after you get off? Can you remember how you were feeling? Right. The grouchy, angry, overstimulated, whatever. Who knows what they're feeling? But just tuning them into that, I think, is a really... Yeah, especially really? because screens are not going anywhere. Social media no. is not going anywhere. I mean, we have to learn to live with these with these technologies. And yes. so one of the things that makes it so much more stressful for parents, I think, is that if we just fight it so much and we just want it to go away, that's going to make it harder for us to deal with it. And so I think like one of the things that um, one of the one of the sayings I like to go back to is progress is neither good nor bad. And so when I think about that, I think, okay, so if indeed screens and things are progress, making it good or bad is not going to be helpful. We have to learn what is happening today and learn how to, as humans, evolve to you know, actually just work within it so that it benefits us as opposed to more often than it hurts us. And so how do I teach my kids how to get to that place? And you're right. We talk to them about like, what does it feel like to be on the screen for three hours? afterwards, right? Do you feel better? Do you feel tired? How are you feeling? And so it was really interesting the other day. Well, actually, this was during the pandemic a couple months ago, you know, they're on the screens with their friends with on games. And, you know, that was kind of how they interacted. So we let it go a little bit more. And one day, my daughter, who um, is 10, she basically had a breakdown. It was probably late at night, which didn't help. But she just basically said, I don't want to play that game anymore. I think about it too much. I, wow. all, I, all I do is worry about it. I, you know, one time wow. she lost all of her stuff in the game and it just devastated her. And she's like, I don't want it anymore, right? And so that was definitely farther than she needed to take it. And she realized that later, but she was just very, very upset about the whole, it kind of took control over her. And she was noticing that it was, it was like causing her to feel not great and maybe even fight with her friends a little bit, right? So I think- definitely it's not the game itself that caused those things for sure. You know, it's a lot of how she's viewing it and how much she's doing on how much she is on Mm -hmm. the game. And so we just talked about that. We talked about, okay, well, if you do want to play the game, how can you manage it a little better? So it's not completely taking over. And if you do want to talk to your friends online, how do we talk to each other? So we're not fighting, right? Because they don't know how to text. They don't know how to message. This has been a whole new skill they've been learning, mm-hmm. you know, and it's basically this incredibly direct, right? Like, why aren't you on? Where are you? Yeah. <laughs> right. And so we had to learn how to have a friendship over a message that was written as opposed to speaking, which is a very different situation. So like there are skills that they're learning and it's actually really beneficial. And so I feel like trying to find those benefits is going to really help in general to parent around these situations because there's just, you know, it's just overwhelming to think about the negatives. It's too much. There's too many, you know, too much proof to say everything's terrible and just get rid of it. And so we have to instead, how is, how is this beneficial? How can we live with this? And so I think that just kind of understanding, focusing on the positive and talking to your kid about, well, they are going to have to eventually manage this on their own how do they feel like you were saying? And then how does it, how do you want it to look, right? How do you want your screen time to, to, to be in your life? What part of it do you want in your life? And then my six-year-old, we're out at the playground when we could finally go to the playground, July, I don't remember, June. And he's running around the playground, jumping up and down. And he goes, mom, this is so much better than screen time. Like out of nowhere. Oh, how sweet. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, they, they're not, like they're young, but they, they're thinking they about it. They mm-hmm. get it. And I think giving our kids credit for that, that much that we can actually talk to them about this stuff and they understand is important. And yes, they don't have impulse control like we do, obviously, as, like, as adults. So it's important to balance it. But I, I do agree with you. I think talking about them is 
huge. It's such an important part of them learning how to manage it as they get older. And so I think hopefully all the stuff that in the you know early years when you're putting this foundation together, the social media hopefully will be a part of those same skills. I'm praying. <laughs> and what I love about the things you're saying is that not putting a value judgment on um, on the the use of the screens mm-hmm. and just saying it is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's here to stay. It's let's be neutral about it and let's look, let's be aware of the pros and let's look for the, I mean, let's be aware of the cons because there are there, they are there. Let's look for the pros exactly. and, or the potential benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, only having a sunny outlook, quote unquote, on screen usage is not realistic because there are dangers and uh, risks that we have to take into consideration. But if we only spend time there, then we're just gripped with fear. Yeah. And so when I hear, when I was listening to what you were saying about talking to them and things that they're saying, uh, this is so much better than screens. And well, how did you feel after you played that game? You know, all those kind of things that to me, like I could feel when I was hearing you say that I could feel myself expanding, like my heart expanding. So I think when we look for, and I love that you said using screens and messaging back and forth is teaching them a whole new skill set, which is so true. This is how they're going to communicate for the rest of their lives. So if we can embrace that, that feels very expansive to me. Totally. And when I I think about the parents who I've spoken with who are so at the end of their ropes and so frustrated, so discouraged, so worried, so fearful, stressed out, angry, angry at the screen, angry at their kid, it's such a like a shrinking kind of a feeling. It's not expansive at all. And they're just marinating in the very realistic challenges and dangers and risks, but they're not seeing any of the possibility. I had a, I had a parent on my Facebook group say, I did a whole screen time, you know, live. And I talked about all of my ways that I handle it. And she said, I just wish, I really wish my kids did not pick screen time as their first choice. Mm. in activity. I just want them to pick something else. And I said, you know, I just want you to analyze that. Like, is that something that's helpful for you, right? As a parent to think, no, it's definitely not because it's just going to make you feel like your kids are either messing up or there's something wrong with them. And then you're going to, again, just make screens more appealing because you're going to say, no, 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 no screens, nothing, nothing. Like don't, it's like dessert, right? And so I think it's important to change our mindsets about the screens and yes, be aware and not be completely blindsided by what's happening, but just be, you know, just be really realize like, what are we, what is the big problem with screens really? And is it something we are actually just putting on it, putting on the situation or is it real? Is it actually realistic? So, I mean, I think with social media, it's the same for me. I'm like, about it. And so I'm trying to change my mindset about what's going to happen and how to even approach it with my kids when it comes to when they, you know, get a phone, how, what's that going to look like? Is the phone the problem or is it, you know, other situations around the phone, my mindset, their mindset, is there some way we can work together and make a mindset that's actually healthy, you know? So. Well, I, so, so going to social media, Mm -hmm. I would say that I've had the most interesting and productive conversations around social media with my daughter. Mm. So my son, the older one, really seems to use social media. And I would say kind of the younger one too, as a, maybe primarily or at least one of the primary reasons as a tool. So they're in a bunch of group chats, both of them. So if they're wanting to make plans with friends, uh, my younger one loves to bike ride. So he's constantly looking for someone to bike ride with. And so he'll put posts in the group chat. Who's free? Who wants to go on a bike ride? The older one, 
you know, maybe he wants to go fishing and he puts in his group chat, who's free to go fishing or something like that. Yeah, so exactly. I find that they're using, the boys are using it a lot as a tool. Mm-hmm. What I find with my daughter is that she's being impacted by it in different ways. Yeah. And yeah. it's impacting her. Uh, we have to be careful about her self image and her self esteem. Yeah. And this came up recently. Um, I don't know if you heard my episode, I think it was like a week or two ago where I talked about TikTok. Mm. And so that's a newer right. social media that is taking the world by storm, especially our younger kids or, yeah. you know, our teens. And she was finding that, and just like all social media, it curates the content based on what you're interacting with. Mm. So oh, yeah, if yeah. you want to know, if you, <clears throat> if you could do this easily, which it's not so easy, you can't just ask for someone's phone, like your friend's phone, say, let me see your phone, I want to see your Instagram account. But let's say you could, right? Just you meet a new person, a neighbor, someone at the bus stop, whatever. And you, you open their Instagram account and you do that search tab. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It will show you all the stuff they like. Mm. Right? So oddly enough, for some reason, when I, when I go on that search tab for me, it, well, first of all, it's all parenting stuff. That's obvious. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a lot of pregnancy things. So I must have liked, like, I, I'm fascinated by a pregnant body. Like the, mm. you know, the woman, the mom's bu- baby bump. I'm fascinated by it. So I must have hearted them a lot. <laughs> so now the whole feed is curated with pregnancy bellies and little babies and kids and, you know, whatever, whatever it is. <laughs> but, you know, if you wanted to find out if someone likes fishing, because I just talked about fishing, if you open up their Instagram feed, if they like fishing, you're going to find out. <laughs> yep. So... That's, and I don't know if you've seen The Social Dilemma, but it's a fascinating documentary. I'm, I'm halfway through, yeah, I'm halfway through. Yeah, so when I, after I watched that, I talked to my kids about how, about the algorithms. Yeah. yeah. And how it functions in the background to mm-hmm. keep you tuning in more and more to their app. And so my daughter was finding that it was curating stuff that wasn't necessarily making her feel better. Yeah. You know, so like my concern with my daughter too. Yeah. Right. So like, let's take the election, for example, she's very Mm -hmm. liberal minded and she's a Biden supporter. And so it was curating things that would be leaning towards Biden or liberal ideals or, or what have you, which is fine. Mm-hmm. If she leaned the other way, fine, I'll show her those kind of videos. But what it was showing her is fear-mongering videos. Mm. So yeah. not only vote for Biden because he's going to do X, Y, and Z, it was showing her videos of don't vote for Trump because he's evil and he wants to do blah, 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 whatever it was. I don't know. So which was this on? Was this on TikTok? TikTok. Oh, it was on TikTok. So it's people making videos. Yes. And the videos that are fear-mongering are the ones that people are making and they're people coming up. Yes. Right. So it's not like it's Biden's like ads or something. No, I'm sure he's probably advertising. On, they're probably both advertising on there. So I'm sure you could see totally. paid yeah. advertisements, but yeah. I'm talking about just people. Yeah. Gotcha. And when, just want to clarify. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, and when you give, the thing with social media is that it gives everybody a soapbox. You know, totally. when we used to have the, the days of ABC, NBC, and CBS, your choices were limited, but the yeah. content you were exposed to was also a, a censored, you know, sort of in a way. Like everybody yeah. knew if you watch TV, I mean, years ago, if you watch TV up to eight o'clock, it was kind of family friendly. After eight, Mm, who knows if it was good for kids. And after 10, you know, that's when ER or those crime shows run. You better not let your kids watch TV after 10. It's so funny because we're watching football and the football commercials at one o'clock in the afternoon are 
not kid appropriate like right. at all. And I'm John and I are like, oh my God, what is happening? Yes. How can they show this? Yes. Yeah. We're so Very used to it not being like that. You know, we're so used to it being after eight o'clock is like, that's when that stuff comes out. Not before. Not anymore. <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> so, oh, man. so, you know, back when, when we were kids, the content that we were exposed to was already kind of censored or censored for appropriateness or everybody kind of knew the boundaries of when, yeah, when a kid should be watching TV, but true. social media and the internet just blows it wide open. There's no boundaries out there, which is why you have to put them in your own family. But so she was finding that these videos were starting to make her feel yuck. Yeah dressed, worried about the election, uh, angst filled over all this stuff. And Mm -hmm. this came out because I noticed that she was kind of sullen and sulky. Mm. Yeah. And the first day I didn't say anything about it because, you know, I don't think there's a, unless your child has a history of something where you have to pay very close attention. Otherwise there's no reason to jump on them just because they had one they're in a bad mood for one day. But yeah. once this went on for two, three days, by the third day, I brought it up and I said, mm, I noticed that you were a little, I don't know, you've just been a little down lately. And yeah. Led us to this beautiful conversation where this information about TikTok came out. And so it was a really interesting conversation because she was wanting to be open with me because we have a very open relationship, but she also was kind of, she was aware that she was wanting to hold back. She wanted to be open and she wanted to hold back and she was able to, she felt free to articulate. I kind of hesitate to tell you the, the negative impact I see TikTok having on me because I don't want you to take it away from me. Exactly. And I said to her, that's not my goal. My goal is not to punish you and take it away from you and cut you off from the world. My goal is to help you figure out what's best for you. Right. And so... I love that. That's great. I Thank you. And so I did suggest that maybe scaling back on the TikTok exposure might be beneficial. Yeah. And she's like, but I, I, I agree, but I don't want you to take it away. I said, I'm not going to take it away. What I'm going to suggest to you is that you figure out what works for you. So maybe go off of it for 24 hours. If at the end of 24 hours you feel good, maybe 48 hours. If the third day comes by and you say, oh, I feel out of, out of touch, then open it up and see. Spend an hour on it, but then when you're done, see how you feel. Yeah. It, it, are you all stressed out, worried again? Or are you okay because you've had a break and now an hour is not too much? Yeah. And then I also told her, so I think there's two things. The first thing that I think is vital is to check in to see how you're feeling inside before you open that app. Mm. So that's what I kind of, what epiphany came to me in our conversation. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling a little insecure or you have a pimple on your nose and you're kind of feeling like, oh, I wish I didn't have a pimple. I wish I didn't have to go to school tomorrow. Everybody's going to see it. If you're feeling like a little shaky inside, maybe that's not the time to open that app. But if you're feeling pretty solid and pretty good and you kind of feel fortified, then maybe you have the, the strength to open that app and not be taken down by whatever you see. So checking in awesome. how you're feeling before you open it and deciding if you should open it. And then after you get off, well, how much time are you willing to give yourself to spend? Be mindful and pick something. And then at the end of it, how do you feel at the end? Mm-hmm. And if you feel totally fine, then maybe that's the right amount of time. I love that because... longer. I think adults need to do this yes. too. I mean, I do. I mean, it's yes. so, what it is, is that this, this kind of media, social media and any sort of iPhone, anything, it's designed to be addictive and it's designed yes. to help us distract ourselves, like in just like the indistractable, distract us from feeling. Yes. And that's one of the reasons why that, um, that's what I watch with my kids a lot is like, are they using the TV to 
cover up what they're feeling or avoid what they're feeling. So if they're bored, are they going straight to the television? If they're upset for some reason, are they going straight to asking for screen time? And so I've been trying to have conversations with my kids about that, but I've been noticing that I actually need to check me a lot more. And I feel like the modeling in that is going to be more powerful. Um, And so I'm trying to really pay attention, like, okay, am I checking this because I want to get like a boost of dopamine? Like, does somebody want it? Like, do I just need to like distract myself and feel better? Or am I doing this because it's actually like helpful or useful to me? Um, And then like you're saying, how are you feeling? Do you feel insecure? Are you feeling like you need some validation? Are you feeling like you're, you know, a little bit on the low side? And if you are, what's going to happen when something isn't awesome that you see or somebody saying something not nice, or like you said, there's videos out there that are bringing you down. You're going to go down further. And I think sometimes we think that that's not going to happen because it's social media and we feel better when we go on social media because it's, you know, the dopamine and all that, (laughs) but it's not, it's really not the case. And it's like this trick. It's this trick in our mind that our mind thinks that that's going to make us feel better, but it's not. And so checking in and seeing like, okay, I assumed I was going to feel better. What really happened was at the end, I felt pretty bad about myself or pretty bad about nervous about something or worried about the election. I think that's, that's super great. That's super important for all ages, (laughs) everybody. (laughs) Yeah. And so she, that conversation, I, I don't know, it was a week or two ago. She mentioned I was driving her and her friend around and she to to the friend's house and she mentioned just this weekend they said something about some video and she said oh i or her friend said it and she said oh i haven't seen that because i've been off of social media for a couple of days i haven't been on it i've been looking at stuff and i just nice. kind of sat quietly and i didn't interfere or interject or anything mm-hmm. and but then I thought about it and I thought, yeah, you know what? She has been in a better mood. And hmm. interestingly enough, right after that conversation, I happened upon, she's a very creative kid, craftsy and creative. And that comes and goes in her life more or less or whatever. And I came upon this idea of painting rocks. And so mm-hmm. we have rocks around our pool in the backyard. And I said, wouldn't it be fun to paint those, some of those rocks like with a butterfly or, you know, a sunrise or a flower or whatever. And she loved the idea. So we ran out to Walmart and we got some different colored paints. And we now for the past week have had on our kitchen table, a paper towel with rocks in various forms of having their creation put on them. And she's happy. And she's when, when she has free time, instead of like, she'll have uh, breaks between her classes when she's got her remote days, instead of grabbing for her phone, she turns off her school video and runs downstairs and grabs the paintbrush. So that's that's been really good. Now, of course that's not going to go forever. She's she'll, paint as many rocks as she wants and then we'll figure it out from there but she's in that she's right now in that experimental phase trying to figure out what amount is currently good for her and whatever they figure out today might change next week next month next year so it's kind of and that's true for us too right it's a constant reevaluating just being mindful about it and am i using it too much am i using it the right amount not enough you know, yeah. so she's in that experimental phase right now. And I'm, I probably, it's time for me to just touch base with her because I haven't for a week or so and just say, so how, how's your experiment been going? How yeah. much have you been using it? Do you feel disconnected? Do you feel better? Do you feel worse? Well, how are you feeling? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because when you're on the phone, and it is taking the place of some creativity sometimes. And so that's, yes. you know, and creativity, creating is what we're made for as people. So when we don't create and we don't have that, that outlet, instead we're doing something that's more passive, that's going to really show in our feelings and our, you know, our overall moods and things. And I, and I totally, I totally relate to that. Um, and so sometimes I, I try to get them, to, my kids to like, use their media, their, any sort of technology to create. 
And so mm-hmm. if we can do both at the same time, that's awesome too. But I, I do agree. I think that it can take the place of a lot of just that downtime, that running to the Legos or that running to the, you know, to draw a little bit. And um, yeah, so it's definitely useful to, especially even for little kids, like just acknowledge, what are you not doing? Because you're on that instead. Like what else could you, what else would you be doing? And would that be more valuable right now? And how are you feeling? And yeah, I really like that. And I think ultimately, even if your goal as a parent, even if you can see what's happening and you know that you feel very certain that less screen time would benefit them, I think it's much more effective and beneficial in the long term for their lives if you gently guide them to coming to that conclusion on their own yes, rather than you saying, that's it. It's too much. We're going down to one hour a day, whatever. Yep. I agree with that. I mean, that's how it is for all parenting. Like the more it's their idea and they come to it and they feel like it's something that's good for them on their own and it's not you saying it, they're much more likely to follow through, keep going, actually do it. (laughs) And it keeps you in their life as a trusted guide rather than the police who they need to hide their stuff from, their activities from. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as my kids start to sneak, I have to reevaluate. That's usually what, what goes in my goes through my mind. Okay. What am I doing that might be Brilliant. causing them to sneak? Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Even lying and things like that. I never think it's like, I'm like, Oh, it's me. Something I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but the, the lines of communication being open and like being able to talk and they trust that you won't shut them down or shut their media down or their mm-hmm. technology down. That's, that it's is crucial. like number one. I agree crucial. with that. I think that's really important. And it is when you start to, you know, on the, on the screen, let's like, and then you yell about it. It's just immediately the kids are going to say like, oh, my mom or my dad is the bad guy in this situation. And it's not, you know, like I have to protect my screen time. It's my mom and dad that I need to like run from. And that's not what we want. We want the opposite. So I, I definitely think the communication is, and the trust is going to be huge, especially for teenage years and social media. Like if, like you were saying, they trust you enough to like, understand why you're checking all their stuff and then understand, okay, well, it's my responsibility. Like I have to show them I'm responsible and not think that it's your fault that they're in this position. It's their responsibility instead. Mm-hmm. That's really, that's a really good place to be. I like that. But I have to use it. I love, and I love that what you just said, when, when you find, whenever you find any, any of your kids starting to sneak, you immediately say, what am I doing? what needs to be tweaked as a parent. And that is so true. Mm. And I tell the story of when my son, the older one, I had the epiphany of how badly I was approaching parenting when he was probably about eight. Mm -hmm. When he was up until he was seven or eight, it was all about time out and punishments and taking stuff away and trying to control his behavior because I yep. didn't know any better way. Totally. And around, I'd say maybe six or seven, he started lying profusely. Mm-hmm. He would be that kid that would eat the powder donut. He would have a donut ring around his mouth and he would <laughs> say, did you eat the donut? No, I didn't eat the donut. And it's all over his face. Right. And I remember just wringing my hands and thinking, are we raising a pathological liar? What is going on? Like, he blatantly knows there's powder on his face. How is he just lying to our faces? And he knows it, and he knows that we know it, but he still does it. What is happening? It was so uh, just disturbing to me. Right. And then, so I, I, I... this epiphany started dawning on me when I found Dr. Shafali, who I mm-hmm. adore. Mm-hmm. And my whole understanding of what in the world we're doing here as parents just, just switched, just turned inside out, right side in, whatever you want to call it. It just transformed. And right. so my relationship with him now, from being a six, seven, eight-year-old who was blatantly lying through his teeth right to our faces with no kind of remorse. And it was because he was trying to avoid the punishment of losing his screen, losing his DS, not being able to play with his friends. 
whatever, because you're trying to control his behavior rather right. than help him and guide him. Now at 18 years old, and it's been this way for a long time, we have the most beautiful conversations and he's so open. And That's when awesome. he was going through those 14, 15, 16, 17 year, years old ages, he was open. He was awesome. telling us what he was, what was going on at school, parties on the weekends, what kids were doing, what he wanted to do, what he didn't want to do. He was open. That's great. And even now, I was bringing him home one weekend. He's a freshman in college. And I was asking him, so what's happening? What's going on at school? This, that, and the other. Uh, what about the social life? What's that look like? And he said that he and his friend had only gone to one party, party, mm. and they walked in and it was like a three-story house or something. And from what he could see, every room was wall to wall with people. There were people outside uh, they were like, you know, elbow to elbow. And this is in the days of COVID, right? right. Oh, so yeah, yeah. yeah. He's I'm telling calling. this and I'm like, Ugh. and he said, we stayed for like five minutes and we, we looked at each other. We said, we need to get out of here. Yeah, I agree. And they got out and they left. Nice. And they, he said they got about three houses down or three buildings down. And then the police arrived Whoa. at that house. Whoa. And I said, you see? Your instinct yeah. told you to get out. You listened to it. You knew on many levels that wasn't the place to be. All those people in a house in COVID days, all, those, all that drinking and whatever else was happening, you, you knew right. that you shouldn't be a, involved in that. And you left and look what happened. That's so, awesome. you know, he, when he tells me these things, it, it really does require you to have like guts of steel. Yes. <laughs> because you can't be like, oh, you were at a party with all these people, ah, you know, and freaking out. And um, <laughs> so you have to have nerves of steel so that you can just go, oh, and just hear the story and then see if you can extract the, the golden nuggets out of it. You have to stay like away from parent mode and just be like, yeah. okay, <laughs> yes. this is peace. I have peace. <laughs> yeah. You can, you might feel it like twisting up inside of yeah. you, but yeah. Yeah. don't let it spill don't let out. It out. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, one of the reasons I'm so grateful that I found positive parenting in general is like, I am so excited that like, I actually have a chance that my kids will actually talk to me as they get older. <laughs> oh, and it's <laughs> so just, beautiful. Yeah. And so I'm very excited about that. So I'm, I'm, you know, trying to, you know, put that foundation in place and make sure that I, you know, that's the number one goal for me. Just keep the, open, the lines of communication and trust open. And that's, that's number one. So well, that's awesome to like hear that are, it worked for you. <laughs> it did. It definitely did. And it sounds like you are well on your way. Yes, and hopefully. Uh, it sounds like your kiddos need you. <laughs> My kiddos are done with their calls and they're working on their independent stuff. So they're starting oh, to I get like a little, it. yeah. So, yeah. But well, this is life good. in uh, the pandemic, right? We just have to go with it. Roll with it. <laughs> Roll with it. Well, thank you for this time, Adrian. Yes, I th thank I think, you. I think this conversation was really good. I'm hoping it helps um, others out there going through this because I feel like it's a big, it's a big one. It's, it's a, a big, big one. Mm -hmm. And I think we both were able to, to share some things that hopefully bring a lot of comfort yeah. to parents yeah. and reduce some of the fear and the angst. Mm -hmm. And I hope that people who listen will feel less fearful and more expanded and energized to, to embrace this technology that our kids and we have to learn how to live with and have a, a good, positive way of approaching it. Yes, me too. Thank you. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. Thanks. All right. So that wraps up today's episode. I hope you enjoyed our chat and got some good nuggets out of it. And I hope that you make it a peaceful day for yourself. That wraps up this episode of Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. If you know anyone who could benefit from this episode or this podcast in general, please share it with them. 
Also, I always love hearing feedback from my listeners. I welcome you to send me an email to Aaron at Aaron-Taylor.com if you have any comments or questions that come up for you in an episode. Our children are our future. Parenting them is the most sacred task we will ever be asked to do. It truly does take a village to raise a child. Let's help each other to raise our children to be who it is they are meant to be. If at any point you feel like you need a little extra help and support, reach out to me. I am here to help you.